All you have to do is come to a, a place in your life <clears throat> where you're willing to, to surrender whatever it is that you need to surrender. And you know what? That happens every day. Um, Gene, there's some things you need to surrender right now, and, you're, and I believe God's working in your heart, and you're going to surrender them, and then there'll be new things to surrender tomorrow. Uh, we live a, a life, it's not like, oh, I finally came to the point where I surrendered, and now it's wonderful. And the, when you come to the point of surrendering, all that just does is it motivates you to surrender more tomorrow. Uh, and, and if just you keep surrendering, then um, you keep being able to enter back in. Uh, it's, it's what... Uh, say that again you just got to keep washing and washing so anyhow um, it is true that that God's doing did something is doing something special in all of our lives I remember Belva Miller how many raise your hand if you even remember Belva Miller I can tell you however many times Belva came to me after church on Sunday morning and would say, I saw two big old 10-foot-tall angels standing behind you while you were preaching. They were standing like this, <laughs> and they had your back while you were... Of course, Bella saw angels everywhere, I think... Uh, she's got, she had lots of angel stories. But we don't see, into, we're, we're not able to see into the spiritual realm very often. But in worship, we can sense some things. And, um, and we all have the opportunity to just listen and let God minister to us. And um, I'm, I'm just very, very grateful for the way God is here with us right now. Um, so I'm going to... But the sermon today is on worship. And, and it's connected, as weird as this sounds, it's connected back to what Mike preached on last week. Uh, remember about the way God deals with us and he used things in our life that are... <coughs> that, to bring us to a point of death which is another way of saying a point of surrender. Um, and there was, but there's a verse that, that I don't think Mike read. Uh, it, it may have been cited in, in a list, but I don't think Mike read it. And I just wanted to start by bringing us back there. Uh, this is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. This is and so, arguably one of the goofiest verses in the Bible. One of the most important, one of the most challenging Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, where I mean, Paul has just finished, remember, all this, this conversation about it. everything is accomplished, uh, everything that God has done for us is received just by faith, just by trusting and believing that's already done. Tetelestai, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished. I believe that, I trust that, I accept it, I receive it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. I could preach for days on that. Except he goes on and says, and not only this, not only are we exulting 
Now, how many are you really? Are, how many of you are really excited to be able to just celebrate the grace of God today? That that we have all things through Christ. That, amen. Let's or exult. Let's just let's just exult. Hallelujah! Thank you, God, for your grace. That would, for your justification through faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. That we are your child. That gives you unspeakable joy. Permanently forgiven. Deeply loved. So you can get excited about that, right? And Paul says, but not only are we exalting about this. We also exult in our tribulations. Let's hear it for tribulations. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, God, for that car accident I had. Thank you, God, for that person who was so mean to me. Thank you, God, for that... um, For the letter I got from the IRS. Thank you. Glory to God. Thank you for that. Thank you for waking up in that place you woke up and didn't know where you were. And someday you need to tell that testimony. I'll give you more time later. Uh, uh, Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Don't give up. I keep going because I'm trusting God. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trusting God. Brings about perseverance, and perseverance produces, uh, brings proven character. That means you've been through testing, and you've been refined, and that and that brings out the Jesus in you. It takes away all the crud and brings out the Jesus in you. You know, you know what, uh, what Mike told us last week is that don't waste these times of testing. Don't waste these tribulations, because in them God has the opportunity. To bring the Jesus that's in you to the top, to, and to and to burn out all of the junk that you've been trusting instead. Proven character and proven character produces hope, and and this is elpis in Greek, and it means that you are absolutely convinced that something is true even though it hasn't happened yet. I know it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. But I am, I am looking for it. I'm counting on it. I know because I know because I know that's going to come to pass. And it's that knowledge, that sure conviction that it's going to happen that keeps me going. Because I've been through this thing and God got me through it. And if God can get me through this, God can get me through anything. You understand that? If God can bring me through this, He can bring me through anything. So I'm going to keep going with hope. And hope does not disappoint. That hope, that confidence that you gain from going through whatever it is that you're going through, that you've been through, that you're going to go through tomorrow, does not disappoint. It doesn't fail. It accomplishes the result that God in, uh, and, and brings you to the place that God has planned for you. And get this. Oh, this last part. Because the love of God. What have you been talking about like forever now? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. As we go through this tribulation, as we, as we come to that point of surrender, as we reach that point where Jesus becomes all there is, 
then we can experience more and more and more fully how much we are really loved. Because the Holy Spirit is soaking us in His love. Um, So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and the things that we go through to bring forth more of Jesus in us so that we can soak and manifest more in the, manifest his love and, and rest in his love more and more and more and more. And that's, and it's at that point that we realize, and I, and I'm 100% convinced about this. You can, go to, you can go to church your entire life. You can sit in those little rows. You can stare at the backs of people's heads. You can amen at the right places. You can stand up at the right time. You can sit down at the right time. You can put stuff in the offering plate. You can show up and go through that every Sunday, week after week, year after year, um, and never reach the point of understanding what eternal life is all about. Because what? What have we learned about eternal life? What is it? That's right. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. Is this rich, deep real-time, love-based, interactive, transformative relationship with Jesus. And you know, you can go to church every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can pass out tracts on the street corner. There's a lot of things you can do that seem Christian-ish, that do not involve real-time, love-based, interactive, transformative relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't want you doing stuff for Him. Jesus wants to live life with you. Jesus wants to live his life in you. Jesus wants to love you intimately and personally. Jesus wants to hold your hand. Jesus wants to carry you. Jesus wants to share his heart with you in a real-time, love-based, interactive, transformative relationship. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. How are you going to know God? You reach those points of pain or heartache or confusion or desperation where everything that you thought you loved doesn't help. And all you have is Jesus. And in those times of, of purification, deliverance, struggle, refinement, um, real important thing happens. How do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get to that point of real-time, love-based, interactive, transformative relationship with Jesus? How do we get there? Um, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 4. I'll tell you this. It all has to do with worship. The, The... The gift that God has given all of us to grow through those times 
when there's tribulation going on or when there's, when there's something to be thankful for going on. The gift, the gift that God gives us that, that drives our real-time transforming relationship with Him, we, the Bible calls it worship. Um, so let's talk about that for a little bit. It, here's an experience. This is, I, this is Isaiah, the very beginning of the book of Isaiah. Uh, this has to do with Isaiah's call to service to become a prophet. Um, and, and, so beginning with Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. In the year of King Uzziah's death, which, in case you're wondering, was 740 B.C., it's not, in the, it's not written in the uh, text, like I, I put it in here in parentheses for you. But in the year of King Uzziah's death, 740 B.C., Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Now, that's not, that may sound pretty cool, but most of you had an opportunity to see the Lord this morning. Most of you at least sensed the presence of the Lord this morning. Most of you heard some things from the Lord this morning. But it was a big deal for Isaiah. And it doesn't say where he was. He wasn't in church, probably. Um, maybe he just had a visitation of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes that happens too. The Holy Spirit, whenever God decides to get your attention, God can get your attention. Amen? God got Isaiah's attention. And he had a vision. Um, kind of like uh, the Apostle John in, in the book of Revelation had a vision. Uh, it was in the, we know then it was on the Lord's day, so he was kind of in church probably when it happened. But here in Isaiah, we don't know what he was doing. It's just we just know that in 740 BC, Isaiah saw the Lord, and he was sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Y'all, these words don't do that justice. Can we just agree that? that just reading these words does not convey what it must have been like for Isaiah to be transported into heaven, have a vision of heaven, and there's the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty, exalted, the train of his robe filling up the whole temple, and seraphim, don't forget the seraphim, seraphim, who are special purpose, like SEAL Team 6 angels, stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. The smoke from the burnt offerings, the smoke from the incense that was burning on the altar. altar. It was shaking, and the angels, and God was there. And Isaiah said, Oh, no. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Uh, I, I, I'm a man of unclean lips and I, and I live among a people of unclean lips but my eyes are seeing the king the lord of hosts what uh, 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 so, so 
in case you don't know, there's a, in the temple, this is supposed to replicate temple worship. And for Jews, uh, the only people who could go into the Holy of Holies, the, behind the curtain, there, <clears throat> where the, the, the uh, offering was offered once a year for the sins of all the people, um, you could not go into the presence of God in the, in the temple without, unless you were 100% completely pure. Do you know the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer, to make that offering and not making this up, they tied a rope around his ankle in case God struck him dead because he wasn't pure, they could drag him out without having to go in there and find him. So here is Isaiah who suddenly discovers that he's in the presence of the Lord. He is seeing God. He is in, he is, he has entered into the most holy of holy of holy places that exist in the universe. And he's thinking, I'm ruined. I don't know how I got here, but I know this. I know I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I, and, and I know that means that I, I, and I live among a people of unclean lips. That means that I am as covered with, as much with corruption and grime and nastiness as anybody could possibly be. And I'm not at all prepared to be here, but here I am. And so I'm a dead man. And nobody's even tied a rope around my ankle. Because I am seeing the king, the Lord of hosts. When we enter into worship, true worship, we experience this. I should have pointed this out. I'll go back there. There's a, a, a process that takes place when true worship happens. And the first step is up here, awareness. I'm in the presence of the Lord. Oh my goodness. Uh, Just to become aware that that God is near and that you are near to God. That's the first step. The first step of worship involves becoming aware that you are near to God and that God is drawn near to you. Then the second is conviction of our need. I'm in the presence of God. Uh, And exposes our hearts. It exposes what we're longing for. It, it, may, it may expose in us uh, a bitterness or a rebellion. It may expose in us s- some kind of a, a thorn that just won't go away and uh, a longing or a hungering for something. It, it, worship can, uh, can lead us into an, initially an uncomfortable place or it exposes our uncomfortableness of a place where we are broken in this case, Isaiah was just massively c- crushed by the awareness of his sin and his fear. But, but it can be anything that heightens our conviction of need, that we are not enough, and that we're hungry for God. And we begin to, at that point, we begin to pour our hearts out to God. We begin to tell him, maybe it's this, oh God, I'm so sinful, why do you even put up with me? It may be, God, I'm so hungry and lost and lonely. Can you please heal this hole in my heart? It can be whatever it is. But you're crying out to God in that moment. And then God does something super 
sweet. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it, which I wouldn't think would be a good thing, but he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. He didn't die. In this moment of worship, he was healed. In this moment of worship, he had an encounter with God that restored what was broken, that healed what was hurting, that brought him assurance that he was safe and okay, that somehow it was going to be okay. I don't know about the fiery coal maybe that has to do with sometimes you have to go through the tribulation and go through the fire and to realize your need and, and feel God's uh, experience God's forgiveness I don't know uh, but I know it, the, the main point is that Isaiah was touched by the holiness of God God allowed Isaiah to enter into that place of holiness and experience holiness by God's agency, God did it for him. And it healed him. And he took away, not just taking away his, by taking away his sin, it took away his fear, it took away his anxiety, it took away his confusion, it fixed whatever was broken. And there's one more stage. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? This is the final surrender. God visits us in worship. And he gives us the opportunity to respond. And some of you I know have been in worship. And in that process of worship, God, you you get through the first three steps and then God makes it clear that he's drawing you. He's calling you. He's speaking to you. And not in a bullying kind of way, not like a or else kind of way, but you sense that God's, he's focused on the issue and he's done something or he's promised you something and then he says, okay, here's what I want you to do next. And at that point, sometimes you just freeze. It's like, I've had this great worship experience, but don't make me go there. Lord, don't make me do this. I think, I think I would rather die than go there. I think I would rather run and hide. I think I would rather go backwards. God, I'm not ready. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do... I'll do anything for you, but I won't do that. And God says, okay, it's up to you. I'll see you next Sunday. We'll go through this all again. Sometimes the thing... You remember when the children of Israel wouldn't go into the... Wouldn't cross... Well, they, they wouldn't go into the, the promised land because they were afraid of the ites, afraid of the giants. We just felt like grasshoppers. It's too hard. I can't, it's too scary. I can't do that. 
even in worship, even in the richness of worship, we come to a spot where God says, okay, the word that Gene had this morning, follow me, be my disciple, follow me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Come and walk with me. Follow me into this next thing, into this next step, this the step of forgiveness or the step of surrender or the step of letting go or this step of reaching out or this step of, I don't know, it's your step, it's not mine. Um, and boom, this happened to Isaiah and the, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I think there was a very long pregnant pause very uncomfortable silence while I don't, I don't think it was Isaiah coming here am I Lord send me I think it was because we struggle when God issues a call we struggle because there is a price there's always a price when God's calling you um because usually you can't move forward until you stop looking backwards. And you can't move, you can't take a, whole, take a hold of what lies ahead without letting go of what lies behind. Isn't that true? And that, that deserves a pause. It deserves a, I'm thinking this through. And then, but then Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll go for you. You can send me. That was chapter 6. How many chapters are there in the book of Isaiah? 66. So, um, 60 more chapters of what happens next. Um... Here I am, Lord. Send me. So Isaiah went through this, this passage. The Isaiah pattern. Let's call this the Isaiah pattern. The Isaiah pattern of worship. Awareness, conviction, restoration, surrender. Those things happen. If, you, if those things don't happen, let me just put it this way. If those things haven't happened, you haven't worshipped. If those things don't aren't going to happen, you're not going to worship. You know, I have put on my garment of praise. I have put on my garment. That, that's not really worship, not necessarily. You can sing a lot of songs. You can, um, you can go to Passion. You can listen to Chris and Crowder and all those people. You can have a massively goosebumpy experience. not really worshiped worship worship changes us every time worship changes us every time as god starts continues to draw stuff out of us so he can put more of jesus in us awareness conviction restoration surrender uh so how do we get there just run some things by you real quick worship is not an event like (laughs) come worship our, our worship service starts at 11 a.m. 
Like, we had a young man who tr- dropped by here on the way home from the grocery, grocery store before church started. His name is Charles. Everybody, I want you to pray for Charles this week. Um, he said God spoke to him as he was driving past and told him that, that, he, that, he, that God wanted him to come here. But he had groceries in the car and his wife was sick. But he at least stopped by to find out what time the worship service started and stuff like that. But the first thing he asked was, what time does, does worship start? Well, I, when people ask me that, it's always hard to explain because it's, the sign says we're supposed to start at 1045. People are still eating breakfast at 1045. I can't get people to get... Uh, we, don't, we don't start at 1045. We just say we start at 1045. <laughs> but sometimes when people think of worship, they just think, what time does, does church start? Like your worship service. That's not worship. Somebody thinks, well, I went to worship today. Really? Did you? Was it worship? No, <clears throat> People think that going to church is the same as going as experiencing worship. Not true, because worship is not an event. Uh, it is an encounter with God. It's an Isaiah encounter with God. Now, I can say this. Sometimes when the sermon releases revelation under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it can inspire a worship event to occur in our hearts. Or it can just be boringly irrelevant. Um, I know I've preached plenty of boring, irrelevant sermons. So <clears throat> I, it's one thing for you to be trapped out there listening to a boringly irrelevant sermon. You have no idea what it is to be trapped up here and you know you're preaching a boring, boringly irrelevant sermon. <clears throat> but you're, you're thinking, but I'm the pastor, I get paid to do this. I can't just quit in the middle and walk out. Uh, even though some people would probably applaud. Uh, <clears throat> Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a sermon, a, a good sermon, or, or the Holy Spirit can use a message to inspire worship, to, 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 to pierce your heart, or to draw you in in a way that you didn't know was possible. But, but so worship, a sermon can trigger worship, but, it's not necess- but it isn't worship. Listening to, listening to a sermon is not worship. Listening to a good sermon is not worship. It can lead to worship. Um, so I'm, I'll stop there. But, so let me tell you what we do, why we do things the way we do them. So, you know, it says in Psalm 22, 3, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. You know what? Um, the King James says, the Lord sits enthroned upon the praises of his people. Is that awesome? Is that an awesome? The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So, we use music um, for one particular reason. This is, just a, this is just a secret trick I'll tell you. Music has a tendency to disconnect um, the left-hand side of your brain. The, the analytical, let me see if I can figure this out, side of your brain. Music makes you use a different side of your brain, which is the more intuitive, more spiritually sensitive side of your brain. I know that neurologists today don't, uh, they think this is grossly oversimplified and blown out of proportion to the right hand, left hand side of your brain, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but it's still true to a certain extent. Uh, music has the ability to make you stop thinking about fixing stuff unless your guitar is out of tune and you're playing and then you're, then you're just freaking out because you have to fix it. But uh, 
it opens you up. It turns off the side of your brain that's trying to fix everything and engages your heart. That's just the way I'm saying it. It engages your heart. So we use music and we use praise uh, to celebrate the goodness of God. And... uh, and we usually start out kind of jumpy because that gets everybody excited, but then we just allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into some other songs, and the purpose of which is to bring us to... Now, so when we're singing a jumpy song, is that worship? Um, uh, when we're singing a slow, peaceful song, is that worship? Okay. It depends on what's happening in your heart. Um, for most people, they just like singing the songs. And what, you know what drives me crazy? Thankfully, I don't have to go through this very often because I don't go to church anyplace else. But I just hate it when I go to a church and they sing like one really great song and you can, and you can sense the Holy Spirit coming down. It, I mean, and it could be uh, choirs and organs singing the church is one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord she is his new creation by water and the word and you know my heart's just going yes yes hallelujah and, and then the song comes to an end and I just want to shout and give glory to God and uh, then the pastor says, or the music leader says, and now let's have Brother Harold come up here and give the announcements for this morning. And then, wait, now we're going to have the, the prayer hymn. Nearer my God. Actually, it could be beautiful. Uh, and then somebody comes up and says a big, long, rambling prayer. Uh, so you can't even think. Anyhow, we don't do that. We because I think it's important that when we come into the presence of the Lord, we stay in the presence of the Lord until we come to a place where the music, the, the singing stops. And at that point, it's you and Jesus. And that's when you can go through this Isaiah pattern of awareness, conviction, restoration, surrender, that's when you can really hear, the. that's when your heart is primed to hear the voice of the Lord. That's when the Holy Spirit can, can reach out and say, surely, surely, I know you're really overwhelmed by a lot of things today, but I'm in control. You don't have to worry about it. You can say, Laura, Laura, you need to pray for Carl right now. You need to go over and lay hands on Carl and just pray for him because... He has a need, and I want you to be the agent of blessing to just lay hands on him and pray for him. Um, if you just stop and listen, you, th- you thought I wasn't watching? <laughs> uh, that, that, that's just a confirmation because I wasn't watching. But God, that's, uh, that's why I wanted you all to get in small groups um, so you could spend more time just ministering to each other because the Holy Spirit was, it was you, you guys were just right in the middle of the flow of the presence of the Lord today. Um, I didn't need to be there for anything because Jesus was there. Uh, we, we go through the 
pattern of awareness, conviction, restoration, surrender, and the Holy Spirit can say to you, who will go, who will speak this word? Who will pray this prayer? Who will go out in the community and do what I want them to do? Who will, I'm, I'm talking to you. Uh, are you talking to me? You talking to me? For me, I wonder how that happened. I may have accidentally, Mike, just hit the next slide. We're almost done. My prayer for worship is that as we go through this process, we would come into a reassurance at that restoration stage. I am. I am deeply loved by God. I am fully accepted by God. I'm completely and permanently forgiven by God. I'm lavishly blessed by God. I'm eternally, perfectly embraced by God as his child who brings him unspeakable joy. That's, that's what Isaiah was experiencing when that cold touched his lips. Ah, I'm okay. God loves me. God's accepted me. God's forgiven me. God's changed my life in this moment. God's changed me. That's, that should be the output of worship. When we see the Lord, when we hear the Lord, when we receive from the Lord, how was church today? Oh, it was okay. The sermon was pretty good. I, the choir sang a really bang-up anthem. That's... Um, I, I saw Myrtle. She had a, the cutest outfit on. No. How was church today? I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. How was church today? I saw the Lord. That's worship. That's worship. That's life-changing. That's how you get into, that's how you experience eternal life. Can we just agree on that? That's how you experience eternal life. I entered into worship. I got to know God. I got to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. I became so aware, so intimately aware of my connection to him and my relationship to him. It was just awesome. I saw the Lord today. I don't even remember what the sermon was about. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And it changed me. And I saw the Lord changing other people. I had the opportunity to minister to somebody else. Uh, and somebody ministered to me. We experienced the Lord together. We saw the Lord. That's the, that's the apex, isn't it? When a body of believers comes together and together collectively we can say, we saw the Lord today and it changed us. Father, we ask your forgiveness. We confess. We, we waste so much time. We come to church and we miss the opportunity to see you because we're fooling with something else. We're struggling with something else. We're in the middle of a situation and all we want you to do is fix the situation without realizing that it's in the middle of the situation that we are going to see you. 
Change us, Lord. Change our expectations forever as we walk in through these difficult paths that we could know that even in the darkest times, we can see you as we enter into worship. Change us, Lord. All we want to do is see Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen.